Welcome to the ministry of Barefoot Church. I'm Clay Neesmith, the pastor here at Barefoot Church. And man, we hope what you experience here today uh, will encourage you, motivate you, and inspire you in a great, great way. Hey, you guys, I am excited to be here with you today. I want to talk today about being prepared. Um, I got a, a text from Pastor Kim on Friday afternoon saying, hey, Richard, Clay's back's hurting him. Um, you'd be able to preach. Heck yes, I will, because I am prepared. It's Friday afternoon. No worries. No fears. I got it. I got it. And so I've realized now after two services, I need to do this every time I preach because I don't have time to worry or overthink it. Um, But today, as we talk about what it means to be prepared for what God's doing, not in our lives, but in the world and, and the work that he's called us to as believers, as Christians, as his people. Um, one of my favorite verses in scripture is out of 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, and it says this. It says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. And, and the reason I love this is because as a believer, I, I, I firmly understand and I firmly get that we are, are living in this day and age where God, I think, is preparing his church to stand firm. God is getting ready to do something in this world and through his church that is calling us to be prepared in season and out of season to give reason for the hope that is within us, to be able to stand up in a world and say, this is why I believe in God. This is who he is. This is what he's done. And this is why God loves all of us. But the reality is you cannot start preparing for something until you have something to prepare for. Now, if you look through scripture, there's one passage that says God's plan, God's desire is that all people would be saved. Everyone, nobody left behind, right? Everyone needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ and have the opportunity to accept it or deny it. God's desire is that everyone would accept that. Now we know that there are going to be people who don't. And, and, and that's on them. That's their choice. But what God has told us as his church is that, hey, my heart is that every single person would be saved. And what that means is that you and I have work to do. But before we go out and do that work, I think what we have to understand as well is that God has work to do in us. We have to be prepared Because a lot of the times when I go out and and I think about God's plan and I think about what he's called us to, I don't necessarily feel like I am ready for it. And so today, as we talk about preparing, what we have to understand is as this world pulls further and further away from God, uh, we as God's people have to be prepared to stand firm right? To, to be able to stand and, and know what's right and prepare, be prepared to be the hope that God has called us to be. Because we all know how this ends, right? It's, it's going to end when Jesus comes back and he calls us home and, and, and there's a, a restoration of everything. 
But until that end comes, what we need to understand as well is we have work to do because other people need us, right? This work isn't just for me. It's not just about my relationship with God. I have a relationship with God because he in turn is going to send me out and touch and impact the lives of other people. This relationship is not just about me. It's about those people who don't know God yet. And that's what I have to understand. This weekend, I spent some time in my backyard preparing, not just for the sermon or for Jesus to come back. I wasn't building a doomsday bunker, um, but we've been preparing to lay sod in our backyard. And for those of you that don't know, my family and I moved out here from California probably about eight months ago, and we bought a house sight unseen, totally off the internet, just saw pictures of it. And you guys, I know it sounds crazy, but you did it too? Nuts, right? People think you're crazy. But our, this house is beautiful. And our, most of our house, it's brand new, beautiful lawn, but it has a portion of it that when we moved in was all dirt and pine needles and weeds and shrubs and everything like that. And so when we moved in, my wife and I had this vision and this vision wasn't just for us to enjoy our backyard, but it's like, you know, we could see our kids playing hide and seek with their friends in the trees. Um, we could see our, our friends and family coming over and, and swinging in our, in our tree swing. And my wife wanted to plant a garden in, in our yard, this big yard that we have. And you guys from California, we, <coughs> we didn't have any grass. There was nothing. We had concrete and asphalt and that was it. And, and so she wanted this clipping garden that if she felt like it, she could just go out, cut flowers and give somebody a bouquet uh, to, just because they needed it. And, and, and this was the vision that we had. And, and so I spent the first four months of us being here, put bags and bags of pine needles and then bags and bags of weeds and shrubs and roots and everything like that. And so now this past weekend, I decided I am going to rent a tiller, right? Guys, I'm from California and we do not use heavy work equipment, all right? And so we go down to the tool rental place and the guy's getting ready to load it up into our car. And I tell the guy, I'm like, hey, you need to really explain to me very slowly how to turn this on because I don't want to, I don't want to get home and not be able to work it. And so he showed me how to do it and I get it into our backyard and I start it up and man, I'm feeling manly. This thing's got like, you know, it's got gears. So it's got this big long pole that shifts the gears on it. I felt like I was driving a semi and I'm going along and I'm tilling up this dirt and I'm thinking like, man, these roots have had it. It's over. Grass is coming. And all of a sudden I hit a tree root. And that thing bounced up like two feet. And, you know, and along the back of our property, we have a, it's a creek. Uh, I mean, some people might call it a, a storm drain, but I like calling it a creek. <laughs> because when the water's running through it, there are like little tadpoles and, and tiny, tiny fish in it. So it's got life. So it's my creek. And I'm sitting there and I hit my first tree root and I'm thinking, I'm going to jump this thing into the creek and I'm not going to be able to get it out. And so anyway, I was a little more cautious after that. I got it done. But the funny thing was, when I first started, I told Mackenzie, I, I said, babe, two hours. I'll be done and we'll get, you know, we'll start pulling out all the roots that I dug up. 
Eight hours later, two showers later, one nap later, and two sets of clothes later, I was done. And I was covered head to toe in, in dirt, and I have never sweat so much in my life. You guys, this humidity thing's a real deal in the South. Like, it doesn't happen in California like that. Um, and so anyway, I, I was done. I was exhausted. I was so, so tired from using this. My forearms were sore. But I had one of those moments, right, where I'm looking at all of this work that I did and this beautiful turned up soil, and I put the tiller away, and I did one of those man things where I stood by my property, <laughs> and I did one of these. It's coming together. It's coming together. But I share this story not because of, you know, me being a weirdo and, and tilling all this ground, but I share this story because all of this work that I'm doing isn't just for me. It, it, I, I, this work that I'm doing, I'm doing it for my family, for my friends, so that they can come over to our house and enjoy this beautiful place that God has blessed us with. I want them to be able to laugh, to relax, to share a meal with us in this yard that, that we are putting together. I want them to be able to take home a bouquet of flowers. All of this work I'm doing, this plan that I have, isn't about just me it's about others. And, and when we think about our life in Christ, that is what it's about. We're allowing God to put the work in now so that later others can have the benefit. In the Gospel of John, we find a great example of someone who prepares. Um, and I think it's an example that we can learn from. And that example is John the Baptist. Now, for those of you who maybe don't know or aren't aware the Gospel of John, the writer of the Gospel of John, and John the Baptist are two different people, all right? This really confused me when I was a new Christian because I was reading this thinking, the dude dies in chapter four, who wrote the rest of the book, right? Like, it's not matching up. So it's two different Johns, all right? So, but the, the Gospel writer believe that John the Baptist held such a pivotal role in the ministry of Jesus that he needed to include, include John's story in this gospel. And so what we know about John the Baptist is that he was the very last Old Testament prophet. Now, the job of the Old Testament prophets was to go to the people of Israel and call them back to God. When they went too far, when they went astray, God would send a prophet into their midst and say, hey, guys, God says, come back, or there's going to be bad things that happen. And, and so the job of the Old Testament prophet was to bring God's people back. And John the Baptist was bringing people back in droves, right? This guy was the rock star of his day. And people were coming from all over the place, coming out to the wilderness to hear John preach and to be baptized with him. Because when they heard John's words, the way God was using John, the way God was speaking through John, these people were, were motivated to be baptized, to repent, because John was proclaiming that the kingdom of God was near 
And when these people heard his words, they knew that something was on the way. Something was about to happen. And because of his popularity, the religious leaders of the day, they went to John. They wanted to figure out who John was, what he was all about, because he was gaining a huge following. And that could potentially spell bad news for the religious leaders. And so they come to John and they ask him, they say, hey, are you the Messiah? Are you Elijah? Are you the prophet? And when you read about the, that phrase, the prophet in the gospels, what that is referring to is a passage in Deuteronomy 18. And it's where God is speaking to Moses. And he says this, he says, what they say is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites. And I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell them everything I command him. And so this prophet was promised by God to be like Moses, to be that figure like Moses that was going to lead the people of Israel. And so as the religious leaders come and they say, John, are you the Messiah? John, are you Elijah? John, are you the prophet? He says, no, I'm none of those things. He denies everything. And in, in John chapter one, verse 22 and 23, it says this, it says, finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah, the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. If you have the King James version that will say, prepare ye the way for the Lord. John was preparing. John was preparing a way for God to get to his people. He was doing that work. And as the conversation continues in, in verse 24 and 20, through 27, it says, now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him. Why then do you baptize if you're not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John said, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, he is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. And this brings us to our first point in, in being prepared. Being prepared means that my life, my words, and my actions reveal Jesus to others. You know, you, you hear John say, among you stands one that you do not know. John was doing what he did so that people's eyes would be open to what God was doing. John did this so that people's eyes would be able to see the one who comes after him, right? He wasn't using his fame for power or prestige like a lot of religious leaders were doing at that time. The Bible tells us that John wore clothes that were made of camel hair, right? And he ate locusts and honey out in the wilderness. This guy, he was nuts, all right, if John the Baptist was walking down your street today, you would call the police on John the Baptist. He was that crazy, but John didn't care because he knew that his life was not about him. He had a calling, right? And that calling that he had is the same calling that you and I have today, right? Not to wear camel hair, but to be a light in the darkness, to be a city on a hill, to be the salt of the earth. When people look at our lives, do they see something different? 
I remember when Mackenzie and I first got married and we lived in this little tiny condo and, um, and I was down in the community laundry room and I was just doing laundry and in walks this woman I'd never met before and I wasn't talking to her or anything. I was just folding my laundry and she looks at me and she goes, are you a Christian? I'm like, yeah, I am. She goes, I knew it. And I was like, what? I had no idea why, you know? I mean, doesn't everybody fold their underwear? Uh, it's... You know, it, it, was, it was crazy, but, you know, and uh, again, th- this reality that when Christ is in us, there is supposed to be a difference in, in our words, in our deeds, in, our, in all that we do, all that we think, every thought needs to be captive. But when people look at our lives, do they see something different? Do they see someone whose life exudes the hope and love of Jesus Christ? Right? Do they see someone that they can run to in times of need? A couple of weeks ago, I got a phone call from my wife, and it went something like this. Love, I got to tell you something. And then she stopped, quiet, dead quiet. And she has a habit of this. Like She calls me frantic and then is silent for 30 seconds, and it freaks me out. And so I'm thinking, car accident. I'm thinking, you know, what in the heck happened? Well, she tells me this story that she was sitting in our living room and all of a sudden she sees this older woman with gardening shears um, walking through our backyard. And, you know, I told you, like, we didn't have any grass, lawn, garden in California. And so my wife is making up for lost time, y'all. She is planting, she is growing flowers. And her first thought when she sees this woman is, man, this crazy old lady's coming to steal my flowers. And so she gets up and she charges to that back window and all of a sudden she just hears a on the, on the glass door. And she goes out and it's this lady, the older lady with her gardening shears, her leg is covered in blood and she's pounding on our glass door saying, let me in, let me in. There's a man in a red hat after, hat after me. And if he sees you talking to me, he's gonna be after you too. And so my wife calmly locked the door and she says, honey, why don't you just sit in that chair right there and I'll be right out. And so she went and told our two younger kids to go to our neighbor's house to see if they could come help. She went out the front door and came to the backyard and, and showed up and this lady was still holding these gardening shears and her leg was just covered in blood. Well, it turns out this woman was suffering from dementia and she lived in the neighborhood right behind us. She had been out pruning her tomatoes, had climbed up onto a picnic table, jumped over a chain link fence, which sliced her leg open. And, um, and so my wife got her to calm down. We figured out her name. We, you know, she let go of the gardening shears um, and we got help, right? We called 911 and the ambulance showed up and five cop cars showed up and You know, the neighbors probably thought, yeah, those crazy people from California finally got busted for drugs. That was it. (laughs) Um, But we we got her the help she needed. And I'm not telling you this story because I, I think, you know, the fact that this woman showed up on our back door was not because my wife is a Christian. But what I do know about my wife is that when you are in need, when you are hurting, when you are down, when you need somebody just to listen to you and support you, the way that God has created my wife, has shaped my wife, has prepared my wife, 
She was the perfect person to deal with this lady who is struggling with dementia. And and guys, that's what God does. That's what it means to be prepared. It means allowing God to develop those gifts, those skills, those talents, so that he can use them in a world that needs us so badly, right? And, And so what we understand is that our lives are called to bring hope and comfort and peace and love to the world around us. But what we also have to understand is this is not a learned habit. I cannot teach you, nobody can teach you how to be compassionate, right? It is only a byproduct of allowing God to prepare our lives. In Colossians 3.15, it says this, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ Dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And this is where I want you to listen. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So all that we do, word or deed, is to be done in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That doesn't happen by accident. That only happens when I allow the peace of Christ to rule my heart and and the word of God to dwell in me richly, right? God transforms us and prepares us to be used in a world that is so in need of God's hope. The second thing that we learn from, uh, from John the Baptist is, and this is really important, this is gonna relieve so many of you, Being prepared means I don't have to have all the answers. Can I get an amen? Amen. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have the Bible memorized. You don't have to have a theology degree. You don't have to have all the answers to be prepared. Listen to this in John chapter 1, verse 29 through 31. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. You see, guys, too often as Christians, we sell ourselves short because we don't think we know enough. We don't think we've done it long enough. We don't think we understand enough about God to be able to impact anybody's life. And that's why this confession from John is so refreshing. Jesus called John the greatest who has ever been born. The greatest person ever born is John the Baptist. And John the Baptist basically tells us here, I didn't have all the answers, but I did know what I was supposed to do today right? I didn't have it all figured out, but I know I was supposed to baptize people. And by me doing what I was supposed to do, God got revealed to his people. You don't have to have all the answers because when we think we have to have it all figured out, when we think we have to have it all put together before we can talk to somebody, before God can use us, 
all that does is it it freezes us. It causes us to stagnate in our faith. When I was in high school and my mom would tell me to go clean my room, I would get freaked out because my room room was a mess. Like seriously, I've got a 14-year-old now and my wife thinks his room is a mess. No, no, like you can still see the floor of my son's room. When in, in my room in high school, when you open the door, I had one spot on the floor about this big where you could see the carpet. That space was there because that was my launching point. When I would go to bed at night, I would open the door, I would hit that one spot and I would jump into bed. And that was it. And the reason I had that one space is because before I had the launching point, I had stepped there and there was a plate underneath it. And so I stepped to go to bed and I heard a why a plate was right in front of my bedroom door, I don't know, but my room was really messy. And so on my bed, I, you know, I had the launching point, I would get into bed, I would sleep not just on my sheets, but on all of my clean clothes. Because my mom would tell me, she would do laundry downstairs and she would say, Richard, your job is to take them upstairs. And I said, that's a done deal. And so I'd take them up, she didn't say hang them up, right? So I'd take them and they'd go right on my bed and I would sleep right on top of my clean clothes and in the morning before I went to school, I'd pick up the shirt that was the least wrinkly, which was none of them, and I would just go to school. I didn't really care. And, and, and so that was my room. It was gross. There was mold growing at times. It was, re- I mean, it, picture the worst you can possibly imagine. It was that. And so when my mom would tell me to clean my room, I would freak out because I had no idea where to start. In order to put one thing in its place, I would have had to move three other things to get started. And so I would freeze. And I remember one time specifically, I stood there for about 15, 20 minutes thinking about where I was gonna start. And it wasn't until I finally moved those first three things to put one down that I got going, right? But up until that point, I was just frozen, not knowing where to begin. And again, this is how we sometimes see our lives with Christ. We don't know where to start. We don't know where that next step is. We hear all the time that God is preparing us, that we're called to take these next steps. But I don't know what that is. I don't know enough. I don't know how to take that next step. You might be thinking that, man, if God's gonna work in me, he's gotta change 50 other things before he changes that one thing. And it, and it freezes you. And you're sitting here today just stuck in your faith. And what I'm here to tell you, you guys, is that if we get stagnant in our faith, that is right before we start pulling away from God. You cannot just stay stagnant because Satan will come in and he will start to pull you away. And so if you are here today and you are frozen and and something in your head is telling you that you don't know what to do, you don't know enough, you're not smart enough, you, you don't have any idea what that next step is, let me tell you, you are being lied to by Satan himself because God has a plan and you need to hear these words. You don't need to have all the answers right now. You don't. To take that next step, you don't need all the answers. You don't need to know how it's all going to finish. You don't need to have everything down pat. You don't need to know what your life's going to look like 10 years down the line. What you need to do is you just need to do what's right 
today. Every day of my life, I have to wake up and do what's right. What is that next step towards God that day? For some of you, being prepared today, taking that next step looks like beginning a relationship with Jesus, right? For some of you today, that's where you start. You might have come in here thinking, man, I don't know about this God thing. I don't know what's going on. I don't know how to do this. I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know if God wants me. Stop. Here's that next step. God wants you and loves you. And all you need to do is take that step towards him and he will welcome you with open arms. That is what you are gonna do to prepare. For some of us, God has been working and we feel like we're stuck. We don't know what to do. We're, we're going through the motions and we're getting tired of it. All you need to do is to allow God to continue that work that he started. Some of you just need to get up every morning and say, God, do that work in me. Use me today. Because it's all about willingness Because the thing that a lot of people get confused about with Christianity is they think that it's simply about being good. Christianity is not about just being good. It's not just about doing good. The Bible tells us that all of our righteous deeds are like filthy rags before God. Being good doesn't earn you any bonus points. I am not loved by God any more than when I was stuck in sin. I am not gonna get into heaven any quicker because I'm a good person or a better person. It's not about doing good. You see, what God is about is creating new people, creating perfect people. And I know that word perfect is scary. We hear it sometimes in scripture. And you say, Richard, I'm never gonna be perfect. I know I'm never gonna be perfect this side of eternity but it's that process of allowing God to continue to work in you. Perfection is a process and it's a process that God is great at. And all you have to do is say, God, I'm willing. God, continue to do that work in me. We hear it all the time in scripture, right? If you wanna find your life, you lose it. It doesn't make sense, but in God's economy, it does. The old has gone, the new has come. It's a brand new, your your sins, your past, everything is gone. It is a brand new creation in Christ. Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Again, it's, it's a process, right? And I know that's kind of vague and a lot of people don't like that. I would prefer a list, you guys. I am so good at honeydew lists, right? You put a list on the fridge, That's what I've got to do today. Once I accomplish all that, you know, good pat on the back, an ice cold LaCroix in my hand, and life is good. But God's not about just having people check off lists. God's after your your heart, and he wants to change it, and it takes time. It is a process. I don't know what it's going to look like for me. God's work in me, what he's trying to do, what he's going to do, I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what it's going to look like for you, but I do know that every decision I make, every moment, every day to draw closer to God, to put more of God and less of me in my life is a step closer to the person that God has called me to be. Baby steps, right? 
You're not going to go out and, and cast demons out of people the, fit, the first day you accept Christ, right? You're, you're not going to have the, the Bible memorized the first week of being a Christian. You're not going to be perfect. You're, you're still going to get pissed off at people when they drive down the road and cut you off, right? You're still going to yell at your kids. You're not going to be perfect, but you're going to allow God to start that work that he wants to do. More of him and less of the old me. In John, in John 3.30, as, as John the Baptist is sitting in prison and Jesus is becoming more and more popular, um, people come to John and say, hey, what are you, you know, what's with this? You know, you're sitting here in prison, prison and Jesus is getting more popular. And this is what he says in John 3.30. He must become greater. I must become less. Do not let the fear of not having all the answers keep you from being prepared for God's plan in your life. Take that next step that's in front of you because that's what faith is, right? The Bible tells us faith isn't about knowing the end. Faith is about trusting in God and taking that next step because you do trust him, right? That is what faith is. And finally, the reason being prepared is so important is this. God is preparing too. From the time sin entered the world, God had this plan on how to bring his creation back to him, right? From the time sin came in this world, God began this plan to redeem all of us, all of creation, all of humanity to come back to be in a right relationship with him, Does he need me for that plan? No, he does not. I am not important to that plan, but he invites me to be a part of that plan. He invites you to be a part of that plan and we are the ones who gain all of the benefits. Have any of you ever out there ever had a surprise party thrown for you? Any surprise party? I know, we all say we hate them, but sometimes it's awesome to feel surprised. Okay, anybody have one that actually worked where you didn't know about it? All right, okay, all right, couple, good, good. It's hard to do. But if you have ever had a party, a a surprise party that worked to perfection, what you will never know is all of the work, all of the details, all of the preparation, all of the behind the scenes stuff that went into that party. It was thrown by somebody who loves you. It was thrown by somebody who knows your strengths and your flaws and still loves you for them, right? It was, it was thrown by somebody who thinks that you are worth it. And when you show up, when you walk into that room, what you realize is that you did not have to do any of this work, right? And all you have to do is stand in this room and let people love and appreciate you for a few hours, right? That's a difficult task. Plus, at the end, you get all the presents, right? It's, it's awesome. That's what God does for us. All of the details, all of the heavy lifting, all of the behind the scenes stuff, Everything that needed to be done has been done by God and all we have to do is show up. And all we do is we get the gifts, right? We get these gifts. In Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, it says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. 
And it's not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by work so no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Where in that passage do you or I do any work, right? It's nowhere. How confused are we sometimes where we think this is a hard thing to just let God love us and change us and transform us? What we read in here is that I don't do anything to earn it. I don't do anything to get it. All I have to do is say, yeah, I want that in my life. And then as I begin to walk in that, as I begin to walk in that new life, what I start to realize is that this grand plan of God wasn't just to save me, it's to save the world. And in the midst of saving the world, in the midst of that grand plan, he comes to me, the broken, useless, hurting, messed up sinner that I am, and says, hey, Richard, guess what? I've got some plans for you. I've got some work for you. There's some people over there who need their lives changed, just like your life was changed. And again, you guys, to to see somebody whose life has been changed by God because you were in it, there's no greater feeling. There's no greater feeling. And that's what God offers us. He prepares it all. God does it all, not by our works, simply by faith in God's plan for us in this world. God has set us up to play huge roles. I don't know what those roles are going to be, but what I do know is that if God's plan is, and his desire is the salvation of everybody in this world, what that tells me is that there's no small role. There's no small role for anybody in this room. There's no small role for anybody in this world. Because what we understand about God is that he is preparing good works for us to do and not just preparing us for here, but what we hear from Jesus is that we are, he is preparing a work for us in heaven as well. And, and so what this tells me is that this life of being prepared isn't just about this life, it's about the next and how I prepare here allows me to enjoy so much more the next life. And so what this tells me about God is that he's not just sitting on a throne in heaven, watching the world wind down and destroy itself. God is active. God is here. God is changing lives right now. God is speaking to some of you right now, maybe for the first time in a long time. And what I hope you're hearing is that I've got a plan for you if you trust me with it. God is preparing to change this world. The lines are being drawn. We have to ask ourselves, are we preparing as well? We might not know every detail of the plan, but we know the one who does. And I hope we all know this much about God. Is up to this point, I know in my life, he's never been wrong. So let's trust him. Let's take that next step. Let's allow God to continue to prepare us to be the people that he's called us to be. Let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you. Thank you so much, Lord, for who you are, for how you've called us. Lord, you are all about just preparing us 
and, and preparing us not just for a relationship with you, but preparing us to impact this world. Lord, I don't deserve a role in this grand plan that you have. I don't deserve to be used by you. Oh, heck, God, I don't even deserve to be loved by you, but yet you have done it and you have called me and, and you have told me that you have a plan for my life that is going to change the lives of other people. And so today, God, as your people, we ask that you would prepare us, that you allow our lives to reveal you to other people, that you would help us to get unstuck from this worry that we don't know enough, that we don't know how to take that next step. And Lord, I pray right now for people who are in this building today, right now, we're watching online right now, and, and what they're saying is, God, you're calling me. You're preparing me. And Lord, preparing them is, is, that, is by starting a relationship with you. And so God, if today for the first time, people are sitting there and, and they want to invite you into their heart, may this be their prayer. Lord, I have wandered from you for too long. God, I have done my own thing in my own way and all it has gotten me is frustration. And so, Lord, today I invite you into my heart. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Jesus, I ask you to be my savior and allow me to begin a life lived in you. God, be with me every single day. Help me to take the steps I need to take to follow you for the rest of my life. And God, for the rest of us as your church, Lord, may we in unity pray and say that we are willing to prepare, Lord God, for this calling that you have placed in our lives. May we be ready to stand strong, to give reason for the hope that is within us. And Lord God, if there are people out there who are struggling with what to do for that next step, may they find somebody to talk to. May they come to the growth track. May they get the help that they need and may they step boldly into their relationship with you. Thank you, God, so much for who you are and what you've called us to as individuals and as your church. And it's in your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. We hope you were encouraged, motivated, and inspired today by the message. And again, man, we believe in you. We believe great things for you. It's because of many people's faithful giving that we're able to go out around the world. If you choose to invest in Barefoot Church, just go on over to barefootchurch.com. You can give there. But go out, live your purpose, and be inspired in a great, great way.